All right. Well, let me introduce Doug, and then we will be able to uh, enjoy the teaching of the Word today. Douglas Grootheis, Ph.D., is professor of philosophy at Denver Seminary, where he has served since 1993. He is the author or co-author of over 14 books, including the best-selling Unmasking the New Age, the much-used apologetics textbook Christian Apologetics, and an introduction to philosophy titled Philosophy in Seven Sentences. He also has a memoir named Walking Through Twilight and a children's book co-authored with Crystal Bowman named I Love You to the Stars. Would you give a warm Cajun welcome to Dr. Douglas Grootheis? Well, it's really good to be in Cajun country, and now I know the difference between New Orleans gumbo and real Cajun gumbo. So I'm learning, and I love both of them. This morning I like to teach on 1 John 4, 1 through 6. So if you have your scriptures with you, please turn there. I want to read. I'm reading from the New International Version. And the title is, Test the Spirits and Overcome the World Through Jesus Christ. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. Verse 4, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are of the world, they are from the world, and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. In many ways, my whole Christian life has been one of testing the spirits. I became a Christian in 1976 at age 19, having been interested in some Eastern religious teaching, or what we might call New Age understandings of the world. And after I became a Christian, I realized I needed to know what I believed and why. And I also went back and looked at the beliefs that had enticed me before my conversion. So over many years now, I've studied Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, various secular philosophies, Marxism, and so on. And I've studied the various cult groups, uh, whether they're New Age cults or older groups like the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and so on. And I've realized that I needed to test these doctrines against Scripture and also assess them logically. So in my writing, teaching, preaching, evangelizing, I've needed the knowledge of God to teach well. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And the Holy Spirit inspired the scriptures, which are nothing but true. And scripture gives us tests 
to see whether teaching is from God or not from God. And the key test is over the identity of Jesus Christ. 1 John is a beautiful book. Our church in Denver, Colorado, where I'm from, recently preached through the whole book. And it assures us, the Apostle John assures us of the love that Christ has for his church. He refers to believers as dear friends, little children. He repeatedly expresses God's tender love and concern for the church. However, throughout the book, you have tests for truth, and you have a lot of antithetical statements, such as, if you say you love God but hate your enemy, then you're in falsehood. You're not speaking the truth. So 1 John 2.4 says, whoever says, I know him, liar, and the truth is not in these antithetical or either-or terms about what matters most. That is, the truth about God and the truth of salvation, so that we might be warned against false doctrine, doctrine that does not conform to the Holy Scripture, that does not match up with the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the title of this message is Testing the Spirits. We test things all the time. We live in a society of testing. So someone might ask us what our numbers are for our tests. What is your IQ? What is your GPA? What is your GRE? What is your LSAT? Or the one I dread, what is your body mass index? Uh, <laughs> So we have these numbers that test our abilities and who we are. We use this all the time. Now, in order to test something, you need to have a reliable standard. You can't just say, well, I think this, and it's just up to me in my opinion. We have objective standards to measure achievement and to measure possibility. We need an objective standard to test the spirits, meaning to test religions and worldviews as to whether they are from God, the God of truth, or not. And we test religions, philosophies, ideas by Scripture, by the proper understanding of the living and active Word of God. And we must measure spiritual maturity by our ability to test the spirits. So as we grow in our knowledge of Scripture and in manifesting the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we begin to be more discerning. We hear someone talk about God or Jesus, and we think something's not right about that. What is it? Do they really understand Jesus as the atoning sacrifice for sin and God incarnate, or is it some other false Jesus, like a guru or a yogi or a swami or something? So this lovingly written, compassionate letter encouraging the flock is also very straightforward and almost dramatic. Test the spirits because there are many false spirits in the world and they would like to deceive you. But here's how not to be deceived. Know the truth about Jesus, that he has come in the flesh. And that means a lot to John as you read 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and the book of John. So any supposed communication from the spiritual world needs to be tested because there are counterfeits 
imposters, frauds, and deceivers. And counterfeits only work because they look something like the real thing. So a counterfeit $100 bill is going to look, if it's a good counterfeit, so to speak, it has to look a lot like a real $100 bill to do its counterfeiting work. I almost never have $100 bills, but there's one fellow who pays me for some of my gigs in $100 bills. Just two, but anyway. <laughs> and he gives me this money, and unless I give the money to my wife to deposit it, I might use it to buy something. And you know what they do with a $100 bill? They hold it up to the light. Apparently, there's some kind of a watermark or something that's hard to counterfeit. And so far, the bills that my friend has given me for the gigs have passed the test, so it's good. I'm not in trouble with the law yet. But see, we need to do the same thing. Someone says, I have a teaching from Jesus, or I'm a Christian, but it's a new teaching. Listen to me. You need to hold up that teaching to the light to see if it's real or whether or not it's a counterfeit. And, of course, the light is the light of Christ and the light of the gospel. There are so many pretenders in the world. Paul knew this, 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising, then, if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. See, the counterfeit wants to look like the real in order to deceive. So we have to have the knowledge of the truth to test it, to hold it up to the light. Or think of what our Lord Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, 15 through 16. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Or think of Galatians 1, back to the Apostle Paul. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. This great either-or, God's truth or a lie, is consequential. This is not a small thing. That is, this is not... It doesn't matter what religious or spiritual views we have as long as we have a good heart and we're tolerant or open. This is a matter of truth and falsity, life and death, heaven or hell, salvation or damnation. That's how serious this is. So let's go back to 1 John 4, verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So the apostle, with the authority of Jesus, says, don't be naive or gullible. Don't be a spiritual sucker. You have to test the spirits. You have to give an evaluation because of the multitude of counterfeits. And think of all the counterfeits, all the lies that have their way in our world. The hacking, the scammers, I recently got an email from Aunt Jane, and Aunt Jane said, Doug, I've had a financial problem, and I need your credit card number. I thought, Aunt Jane is not going to do this. So I thought, no, no, this is not Aunt Jane. This is a counterfeit. 
And I emailed her or emailed one of my cousins. And of course, this was not Aunt Jane. Someone got her email, pretended to be her, to scam me. It was a counterfeit. But somehow they knew Aunt Jane and they had her email address. But I knew enough about Aunt Jane that I knew this was a counterfeit. And we needed to know enough about Jesus and his gospel to spot the counterfeits, to affirm the truth. There are many false prophets. So 1 John 2.18 also says, Dear children, this is the last hour. As you have heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come into the world. So we live in contested territory. And so we have to be equipped with the truth to discern truth from error. And we have to know what the objective test is. And that's the identity, the reality of Jesus. So look at 1 John 4, verses 2 through 3. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. That's the truth. Verse 3. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Now, we sometimes wonder, well, who will the final Antichrist be or the beast? But you have to realize Antichrists have been around for a long time, and they're in our midst. The false teaching and the false teachers that deny Jesus has come in the flesh to atone for our sin are antichrists. They're against him. They are counterfeits. They're imposters. They're fakes. They're frauds. They're scammers. They may be perfectly sincere. That's not the issue. Sincerity is not the issue. Image is not the issue. It's truth. The truth about Jesus and his gospel. This is an either-or test that results in a pass or fail. There's no middle ground. There's no gray zone. This is not something that's misty or hazy, and we're not grading on a curve. Notice I use this professorial kind of understanding because that's what I am. I'm a professor. So this is an either-or. It's a pass-fail, and everything hangs on it. It is a categorical and universal and necessary test of spiritual discernment. Let's consider some of John's statements about the real Jesus, the genuine Jesus, the Christ, to give us a framework for the truth over against the lie. So much more could be said. But 1 John 1, 1 through 3, Jesus came as a flesh and blood man who was seen and touched. It's not some ethereal spirit or idea. He was a participant, an agent in history well attested by witnesses. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice or propitiation for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. 1 John 2, 1 and 2. A third statement, he appeared to destroy the devil's work. 1 John 3, 8. I have clung to that so many times in the midst of ministry and discouragement. Jesus came not only to forgive me of my sins, to be my mediator, but to destroy the devil's work. Fourth statement. Jesus came to show us what love really means. Quote, 
Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. 1 John 3.16. This is the real Jesus, the genuine Jesus, the Christ. Fifth statement. He is the true God and eternal life. 1 John 5.20. This is how we test the spirits. Is the teaching, is the book in conformity with Scripture, the teachings of Jesus, and the meaning of salvation, or not? Let me give you two test cases in our own day. The religion of Islam. Islam is a religion that believes in one God, believes that God sends prophets, believes that Jesus was a prophet. However, Islam, the teaching in the Quran and held by Muslims, is that Jesus was not God incarnate. He was not the one mediator between God and man. So he should not be worshipped. And he is not Lord and Savior. They say many positive, affirming things about Jesus, but the most significant element of Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, who makes propitiation for us, they deny. So we have to say that the truth is not in them. We should love Muslims, evangelize them. They have religious freedom as much as we do as Americans, but when it comes to that ultimate test of truth and falsity, light and dark, heaven or hell, salvation or damnation, they're on the wrong side. By the authority of Scripture, by the authority of Jesus. Another example would be New Age teaching. I did a lot of writing about the New Age uh, when I was a younger man and have kept up with it to some extent. But the general New Age teaching is that Jesus was one of many spiritual masters or gurus Swamis, yogis, avatars, sages, shaman, whatever it is, he knew that God was within him, and he helps us to find God within ourselves and become one with all things. Well, of course, that is not the teaching of Jesus Christ, of his apostles, or of Scripture. It denies that he is the God-man, the only Christ that ever was, is, or will be, and claims that Jesus opened a way for what they call Christ consciousness or universal or cosmic consciousness. That's not true. And I wrote about four books about it many years ago, so I'm going to contain myself and stop. All you need to know for now is this is not the genuine Jesus, the real gospel. It is a counterfeit. Just one little story. I was on a panel discussion many years ago about spirituality and they had people from different viewpoints. And I tried to give the gospel as clearly and forcefully as I could. And a woman in the audience during the question and answer time said, I love Jesus. Good start. But he would never want us to worship him. And I said, well, that's interesting, because as I read the gospels, I find people worshiping him about nine times. And in the book of Revelation, everyone is worshiping him. See, he's the God-man. He's the mediator. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is worthy of worship. But see, from a New Age perspective, no, we don't worship him. We just resonate with him, or we appreciate him, or we somehow want to get on his vibe. You know, that's not the real Jesus. 
Let me give you two tips on testing the spirits from a veteran of doing so, me. Non-Christian groups often use the vocabulary of the Bible and of Christianity, but they mean very different things by the terms. So one way of putting this is that non-Christian groups and philosophies and cults may use our vocabulary, but not our dictionary. So what does Christ mean? It doesn't mean a universal consciousness. It means the uniquely anointed one of God, Jesus, the Christ, the only Christ, right? God, in a New Age perspective, means a universal energy or force. Biblically, we're talking about the I am that I am, a self-reflective agent, a perfect personal relational being, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. That's what the Bible means by God. That's who God actually is in reality. And we have to come to terms with him on his terms. Another principle. False teachings may quote the Bible to a bad end. Texts taken out of contexts are pretexts for error. Think of Satan tempting Jesus in the wilderness. This is recorded in Luke 4 and Matthew 4. What does Satan do? He quotes the scripture to Jesus to try to get Jesus to sin. You may have noticed he failed miserably. Jesus knew the scriptures. Actually, he wrote them, ultimately, as God, the second person of the Trinity. So we have to look at the use of the Bible with a good sense of interpretation. So find the context. A text taken out of context can be a pretext for a false gospel, a false teaching, a denial of the truth. All right, let's look at verse 4. How do we overcome error by the spirit of truth? Verse 4, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. This is encouraging because you could be a little bit scared here. There are false teachings and antichrists, and you have to test them. But he says, greater is the one who is in you the Holy Spirit in you than the one who is in the world, meaning the antichrists, the deceivers, the imposters, the frauds, the fakes. Greater is the one who is in you, is the God of truth, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, than the one who is in the world. So what does it mean to overcome? Well, we overcome in and through Jesus, through his vicarious victory, his crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. So therefore, these false and lying spirits have no ultimate authority over us. In my ministry of teaching, preaching, writing, witnessing, sometimes debating, and so on, I will often affirm that to myself. Greater is he who is in me than the one who is in the world. I affirm it. Or the Son of God came to destroy the devil's works. It's very important in the spiritual life, in spiritual conflict between truth and error, to memorize Scripture and have the scripture live in you. Not just live in your phone, but live in you through memory. So who is overcome? Who is overcome? Those in the world, the fallen cultural, political, and religious systems. We can overcome people in the sense that they would want to deceive us. The false prophets, false apostles, false teachers, demons, angels of light the devil, and the spirit of Antichrist. This is through the matchless achievements of Jesus applied to us 
which we receive with the open and empty hands of faith. How do we overcome? It's through Jesus Christ who is in us. So let me go to John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. In him, that is Christ, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Or 1 John 5, 4. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So as we have faith in the one who overcame the world through his matchless achievements, we have the right stance, and we don't have to be deceived by the counterfeit, the imposters, the fakes, the frauds. So let's look at verses 5 and 6, speaking truth and listening for truth. They, the Antichrist, the false teachers, they are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So we test the spirits by the power and truth of God within us. We don't rely on feelings. Well, this teaching makes me feel happy or affirms me or makes me feel peaceful. No, it's on the basis of truth, of reality. And there's this great either or, Christ or Antichrist, truth or error, the ways of the world or the ways of the Lord. This is the ultimate either-or. Now, here's an important emphasis. Notice that John says there's a spirit of falsehood. There's a spirit of antichrist. So there are false ideas. The New Age ideas about Jesus are false. That is, they do not conform to the Bible. They do not reflect reality. All right? So they're false ideas. But think about this. There are spirits behind the false ideas. There are spirits, that is, fallen angels, demons, that want you to believe the false ideas. So 1 Timothy 4.1 says, The Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the doctrines of demons. Doctrines of demons. So the doctrine is false, anti-gospel, And there are demons. There are disembodied spiritual beings who want to teach you falsehood. You see those two elements? That's why we have to realize that spiritual warfare is a matter of right thinking, biblical thinking, thinking in alignment with the Lord, and a right posture as a warrior. Put on the full armor of God. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Put on the armor of God. And part of that armor of course, is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and the shield of faith, and all the rest of it. What I'm saying is, I'm a philosopher, so I deal with ideas, and I try to refute false ideas and construct good systems of thought and do cultural analysis, and all that is extremely significant. But I have to remember that we're not just dealing with ideas. We're dealing with principalities and powers, thrones and dominions. We're dealing with evil spirits in high places. But Because of Christ, we can take every thought captive to obey Christ. We can know that the one who is in us is stronger, greater than the one who is in the world. 
we can know that in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation on us. In this fallen world, we cannot avoid testing. We have to test for competency in academics, in the professional world. But sadly, many people, when it comes to spirituality and religion, are clueless as to how to test anything. All the tests they have is, well, does this make me feel better? Does this empower me? Does this help me somehow succeed in getting the things I want? Well, that's insufficient. You have to test the teachings and the teachers by the Scripture, and the Scriptures reflect the reality of God and his way of salvation and the gospel. So we need a proper standard to test wisely. We need to test the spirits to see whether or not they are from God. And we're given the criterion. We're given the truth. And we internalize that. We celebrate that together in worship. We pray through this. We study our Bibles. We memorize our Bibles. And we go out into the world as Christ's ambassadors, as people who test the spirits in confidence, not in fear, not shrinking back, oh, no, I might run into somebody who disagrees with my religious views, but in confidence that we have the truth revealed to us in Scripture and the truth applied to us in salvation through the matchless achievements of Jesus. And then also, while there are spirits of falsehood in the world, we have, if we belong to Christ, the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth. And we know that God within us is greater than the one who is in the world. So I encourage you to test the spirits, to have confidence in Christ, confidence in the gospel, and to bring the true gospel, the liberating, life-giving message of Jesus Christ, who died for us and rose for us and who is at the right hand of the Father, to bring that to a world that is deceived, that is in darkness. Lord, we thank you so much for the gospel, for you, for the work of Jesus. We thank you for Holy Scripture. Lord, I've been reading and studying and teaching it now for well over 40 years. Thank you that I have confidence in it because it is trustworthy. You are trustworthy. Lord, I ask that you would equip and minister to all my brothers and sisters here. Fill them with the spirit of truth. Give them discernment, insight, wisdom, and courage to make the truth known and not to be intimidated by the falsehoods in this world. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.